This is the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the inside track on Liverpool FC's next opponents. We might be two weeks into September and without the Reds having kicked a ball, but thankfully that comes to an end today. Jurgen Klopp's men run out at lunchtime at Anfield as the Premier League action returns after the international break with Newcastle United, the visitors. This is Behind Enemy Lines. I'm Guy Clark and it's where we get the lowdown on Liverpool's next opponents. In the firing line today is the Magpies, freshly under the stewardship of Steve Bruce following the summer departure of Rafa Benitez. We will of course be touching on that. The ownership struggle in involving Mike Ashley and which players could perhaps cause any threats to the Reds. Of course, we'll be back after the game later as well with post-game, bringing you instant reaction from our team at Anfield, Jurgen Klopp's press conference and, of course, you, the fans. Well, let's get down to it now, though. And joining us to talk all things Newcastle United is Andrew Musgrove, the host of the Everything is Black and White podcast. Andrew, thanks for joining us. First things first, how are you keeping? Not, not too bad, thank you. It's uh, It's been a long week with no domestic football but glad to be getting back to it and obviously start of the season so far for Newcastle United one win in the five games in all competitions so far what is the mood like up on Tyneside right now it's, it's difficult really to, to pinpoint because obviously Steve Bruce has come in and he's replaced Rafa Benitez you know your listeners will know what kind of respect he commands and it was always going to be tough I think regardless you know who was going to come in it could have been Jose Mourinho um, I'm not really sure that would have calmed the fire and discontent around Rafa even. Um, and he didn't get off, you know, to the best start. Obviously, I, I think he played. They played alright against Arsenal, but the Norwich game was was just horrendous. There was everything that w- could have gone wrong did go wrong, and that really left him kind of in a very difficult position. The fans weren't happy. The players didn't look organised, and then you know got to got to Spurs and it. It was a, it was a very good performance. People say it was a Rafa Benitez performance, but it's down to Bruce to to change the formation to get the players set up in the right way. And I think that for some kind of showed that this season isn't a, isn't a lost cause. You know, just because Bruce has come in and he isn't a Rafa Benitez's level, it isn't a lost cause. And there was that performance. I think changed the mind of a few people. You know, to show that you know there is a little bit of hope here, and it's. The only thing that's going to change people's mind are results, and obviously, like you say, there's only one, been one win so far. But they did play well against Leicester, and um, despite all the changes and despite the obviously the final uh, penalty shot defeat, but did play well against Leicester. I thought, and against Watford, I think Watford was more of a, a sign of where things are for Newcastle. The Spurs game was maybe a bit of a um, exception rather than the rule, um, and it wasn't the best performance, but. It's it's just difficult to really pinpoint what the mood is because it's such a unique situation, um, and you know I think it, you can't really judge it until you know maybe another three months down the line really. And as you say, the mood there difficult to judge. It does always seem to be in a delicate position there at Newcastle United. And talking on Rafa Benitez, of course. There are very strong links to Liverpool and something we'll, we'll talk about. We might as well sort of kick off talking in depth about Rafa Benitez. And I suppose the managerial change is twofold. One, Steve Bruce coming in. But the first primary thing is how Rafa Benitez came to leave. Because towards the back end of last season, as sort of stories began to leak out, it seemed as though there was a growing confidence that actually he might stay. But that obviously didn't transpire. If he'd been given what he wanted, it's easy to say that. 
Um, but had he been given what he wanted, I think he, you know, he wanted to stay. He loved the city. He loved the people. He understand what the club meant to uh, the supporters. And you know, Steve Bruce understands that as well. Steve Bruce is a Newcastle United fan. You know, despite his links to Sunderland and, and what have you, um, you know, he's, he's a Newcastle United fan, and he does he does get it. Um, and it's just unfortunate that he follows a man of Rafa Benitez's you know reputation into, into the hot seat. Um, and it, I mean, your listeners will know Rafa Benitez is very, very good at playing the political game. And it, you know, I think he wanted to stay, um, but he wanted to take the club forward. And whether he was asking a bit too much, knowing that he wouldn't get what he what he was asking for, I suppose that can that that you know only him and his negotiating team and the likes of Lee Charney, the manager director, will will know that. But yeah, there was there was a little bit of hope, and um, but I think as time went on, um, I think after the Liverpool game, you referenced that a deal might be close. But I think as time went on, the Fulham game was the last game of the season, and it got into to the first few weeks of, of, of the, the close season. You kind of just felt that this probably wasn't going to happen, and, and the worst case scenario of Rafa Benitez leaving was was more likely than not. And you know, a huge blow. For Newcastle, you know, he, the players came out in support and said he has to stop. And he, you know, he, he's crucial to the club. And I, and I guess a nice thing to see is that actually, they've, from what I've seen and what I've heard, you know, the players are very um, positive about Steve Bruce. And, it, and I was a bit worried when Bruce came in, especially after the public kind of um, outcry with uh, for calling for Benitez to stay, what the reaction would be. And we've seen the reaction from the fans, what the reaction would be from the players. And thankfully, um, it, it's, it's all been very positive. And on Rafa Benitez, of course, I suppose he leaves more than just an imprint on the playing style and the first team. We spoke there about the connection that he has with the city, with the fan base as well. He left Liverpool near on a decade ago now, yet still very much obviously revered here. And that that feels as though sort of the, the effect he's left at Newcastle as well. Oh, definitely. Like I say, it's it's more than just the football on the pitch. He, he gave fans hope that there was more than just a relegation battle to be had. Um, it wasn't, you know, the, the best of uh, style of play, but I think the fans understood that he was kind of dealing with what he had. But it was more off the pitch. You know, he went up to um, uh, to see some kids train up uh, up in Benwell and um, with the foundation on a cold Monday night. He took Jamal Lascelles up. Um, you know, it's little things like that, you know, donations, um, publicising the food bank, publicising other charities, which I think really it does a lot because, you know, the community is so important up here in Newcastle. We have the food bank and, and Liverpool fans also have one down down there. And it's it's just little things about supporting the community, which I think really helped Rafa Benitez um, become a, such an important way of life um, off the pitch for Newcastle United fans. And when you have someone in his with his reputation, with his standing, um, going out of his way to help, you know, others who are less fortunate than him, um, by a long stretch, it's always nice to see, and you know, the fans appreciate that. And he's a man, obviously, adored by Newcastle United fans. Let's talk about a man who's not so much so well, not at all. I, I shouldn't have thought that being the owner, Mike Ashley, obviously a central figure to this decision for Rafa Benitez to leave Newcastle United. And I suppose every time you think that his stock probably couldn't drop any lower, Mike Ashley, he somehow sort of seems to find a way, doesn't he? 
Yeah, well, I mean, he's come out today and spoken to, to Sky News and said, let's get one thing straight. Uh, I, I don't pick the team at Newcastle United. And West, West Sadly, I reckon our brain's thinking, well, I don't think I've ever heard that accusation thrown at him. It's 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 bizarre. Um, look, I think the worst thing that Mike Ashley's done, he's done many bad things, but I think the worst thing is the lack of communication. I think... I think if there was more of that, and, and, and he was open and honest, and he said, "Look, we're, we're aiming for just survival." Newcastle United fans wouldn't ex- wouldn't like it, but maybe in time they'd come to understand or accept it. Um, I think is probably the better way to accept. Okay, that's what he wants, and that's what we've got to deal with. Um, but it's just been you know, what twelve years now of mistakes, and I think the worst thing is he never seems to learn from them. Um, you know, it's funny when he does it does speak. He spoke to the to the mail last month. He comes out as very passionate. He, he portrays himself as someone who you know really um, gets swept away with it all. He, when he does visit the training ground, he gets lost in it. And it's it's just a shame that if that is the case, you know, it, might, it might be you know, and we've never spoken to him face to face, unfortunately. And but if that is the case, it's just a shame that that's not. It, it, that isn't the full-time kind of feeling we get because if that was the case then why isn't he doing it full-time why isn't he back in the club to, to you know as much as he can he might argue he is but fans here would argue he isn't obviously money that comes in through transfers a lot of debate whether that's been reinvested in the club and it, it's just frustrating when you have a manager like Rafa Benitez who given the right backing could easily have taken this club forward into the top eight. You know, we saw last season and the season before that just, you know, he beat Manchester City. Um, he do the sums. I think even if he just did the sums on the bench, you would see the difference in the wealth of the teams. Um, but, you know, he beat Manchester City. He took Liverpool right to the wire and the last home game of the season, the 3-2 victory for you, for you guys. But, you know, he showed that the foundations were there to take this club forward and unfortunately he never really he didn't get what he wanted um, and it's frustrating that that's, that's the scenario we found ourselves in but Rafa's gone now and Newcastle United fans um, you know, we, we need to move on and give Steve Bruce the backing because at the end of the day the priority has to be not seeing Newcastle United relegated and I think um, I think Rafa going and Bruce coming in they have to be set uh, Threaten separate entities, be angry that Rafa's gone, but give Steve Bruce a chance because in the day, who wouldn't who wouldn't want to take this job on? I think is is the bottom line. And on the expectation point of view that you talk about with the owner and wanting to keep the club in the Premier League, the the end goal to that seems to be that he wants to sell the club and therefore it's a more sellable asset being a Premier League club. But there's been so many full storms of talks of different groups here and there, especially over the last two years, it's really ramped up again of people looking to perhaps buy Newcastle United. Yeah, I mean, well, the, the valuation is, is obviously the sticking point. It's it's thought to be between 350 Million maybe a bit higher. The question is, well, is it worth that? Um, you know, Sergio Ratcliffe was said to have looked at Newcastle before buying Nice. And if you look at the facilities that Nice have got, they opened a multi-million pound training ground in 2017. It looks like a five-star hotel. It's, it's, it's superb. Here at Newcastle, there's a lot of talk about the training ground investment needed in to to to, um, to improve it. And that goes back to the valuation, I think, uh, Bob Radcliffe said, you know, he kind of balked at the 
the price has been asked for clubs outside the top six. And you, you can understand that, you, you know, you go out and buy Nice for, what, £91 million. You could spend another £100 million, £150 making it into a, a title challenge inside, get into the Champions League, and you still wouldn't have spent the money that Mike Ashley's asking for Newcastle United. Um, you buy Newcastle United for £350 million, if you're going to turn it into a top six side, you're probably going to have to spend at least another £200 million on top of that, and then there's all the facilities, you know, training ground, if you want to build new training ground, um, you know, I know Liverpool. I think I spend what fifty million on a new training ground. Leicester put in a hundred million. You know that that's how much it's going to cost. So straight away you're looking at what another three hundred or four hundred million on top of your purchase. And you can understand maybe why buyers haven't come in at the moment, or serious buyers haven't come in with the money, um, because when you, when you when you're looking just to survive in the Premier League, or when you're in a constant relegation battle. Um, you're not going to put that kind of money down between now and May or now in, in, in April until that um, Premier League status is, is, is secure. And then you've only got a small window to go out and actually you know, buy the club between the end of the season and the start of the transfer window, the summer transfer window. It's a very small window. So I think you know, in terms of selling it, it might actually might want to rethink and just maybe say, well, if I invest it and make Newcastle in a secure top 10 team it's, and then do that over the next couple of seasons, it's going to be a lot easier to sell the club because, you know, it's, it's, I say nobody wants to buy a club threatened with relegation. And final point on Steve Bruce's appointment. How is it viewed upon? Is it viewed upon a, a boyhood Newcastle United fan coming in as a, a bit of a PR stunt to perhaps win the fans over and get the fans on side or... On the other side, a, a bit of a cheaper option of a man who's got a Premier League pedigree as a manager, but perhaps not always been the most successful, but a far cheaper manager to employ than someone like Rafael Benitez. Again, it's difficult. You look on social media and it's, it's accusations of being a yes man and pointing out that he's got a very bad record in the in the Premier League. Um, I have to say that the Sunderland connection isn't really a big deal, but it does appear that... He's, he's, he's been more of a kind of a, a yes man who could have come in. I mean, I don't buy that. I don't think that is the case. You speak to people and uh, sport people at Hull when the relationship between their chairman and, and Bruce went went south and it was, you know, he, he left on principle. He didn't feel he was getting the back. And, and I know this is his boyhood club and people say, well, it's different. It's different because it is the job he's always wanted. It is, you know, probably his last big job in the Premier League. But at the same time, um, I don't think he's going to, be asked to, I don't think he's going to um, just get in line for the sake of getting in, in line. So I think the opinion of being yes man is a little harsh. Um, and yeah, obviously the whole boyhood club thing, again, I don't think that holds any weight with Newcastle United fans. It's, it's all about Rafa Benitez going. And that's, I think, the point that needs to be made. I think I would like to see a chat in a separate entity where you can be angry that Rafa Benitez is gone. Just give Bruce a bit of, a bit of time to, to win you round. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, he, he is here and this, he is the manager. And the worst case scenario is, is Newcastle getting relegated. And that's not what you need. And we've seen the, the, the attendances, attendances have gone down. Uh, only 44,000 against Watford. So... It's it's going to be interesting to see how the next few weeks pans out against Brighton. See what the attendance is there because that's down again, or it's or it's similar. Maybe Mike Ashley might have cause for concern. Um, but yeah, and Bruce, 
you know, he's just, he's just very unfortunate. He's got the job he wants. He's got the job that he turned down in 2004, I think it was. It's a job that he wouldn't turn down again. Maybe his last has a big chance to come in and manage a Premier League club. And it's just unfortunate that it follows, um, he follows Rafa Benitez and he's the man who has replaced him because, like I mentioned before, who, who, who could be the man to replace Rafa Benitez that would win the fans over. It's, it's, you know, if you've got the answer to that, then I'd like to, I'd like, I'd like to hear it. Well, in 2010, Liverpool chose Roy Hodgson, so I hope that goes better for Newcastle than it did for Liverpool <laughs> back then. Behind enemy lines on the Blood Red Channel. We've spoken a lot about off the field antics, then managerial changes, boardroom uh, power struggles between supporters and ownership but let's get into the nitty-gritty the football and mention the start of the season that win against Tottenham uh, first and only win so far of the campaign for Newcastle United seems to have really sort of lifted the spirit unbeaten I know it's only two games now following up with the the draw against Watford prior to the international break but I suppose going to somewhere like Tottenham and and getting a win in the manner in which Newcastle did showing gritty determination in defence does that give the side confidence heading to Anfield? I mean, it does, uh, you know, but at the same time, we all know Liverpool are just fantastic in the start of the season and blistering form. And you, you, I do feel that if you try and part the bus against Liverpool, they'll pick you apart. The thing with Spurs was that um, they just didn't seem to have that one player that could that could break the defence. Eriksen came on and the game changed a little bit. And I think Newcastle were quite fortunate in many ways that Eriksen and uh, Pochettino have, have fallen out for whatever reason and he wasn't starting because when he came on, the game did change and you saw the dynamic change. and They were creating a few more chances. I think it was Ericsson's ball that went over to Harry Kane when he went down under the Salas' challenge in the box and it was little things like that that Ericsson changed. Um, but before he came on, they, they just there wasn't anyone. You look at Liverpool and you could name three or four players who could quite easily just change the game in an instant. Um, and you know the form Liverpool are in. You just you can't say anything other than a, a Liverpool win. Um, it was a fantastic performance from Newcastle against Spurs. You know, bodies on the line. Something we've come to really um, love uh, about Newcastle is that grit and determination. Is that effort that never says die attitude, throwing your body to block every shot possible. But you just fear against Liverpool that. You know, it it won't take much to break them down just because of Liverpool's fantastic, uh, you know, squad they've got there. And, and Liverpool are a much better side than, than Tottenham, in my opinion. And they, they've got more than one player who can break down a, a, t- a tough defence. And obviously last season, the two results were, were very different. The, the 4-0 win for Liverpool at Anfield on Boxing Day and, of course, the 3-2 win for Liverpool at St James's. Two wins for Liverpool, but that second one, a very, very close game indeed, as opposed to obviously coming to Anfield this weekend, the last time Newcastle were there on the uh, the end of a 4-0 defeat. Yeah, I mean, the 4-0 defeat, you know, obviously it was Salah's penalty was a second goal and up until I, th- I didn't think Newcastle were, were too bad Obviously, debate over the penalty, if I'm not mistaken. It was, yeah. uh, I think it was Dummett on, on Salah and debate whether Salah went down a bit easy. And I think they just lost. After, when, when the goal went, the second goal went in, it, you know, it crumbled and it's, you know, it's, that's just football. It goes one way or the other. Um, and if Newcastle can hold 
Liverpool, which I appreciate is unlikely, but if they can hold them, you know, 20, 30 minutes and, and somehow hit them on the counter, then they'll stand a chance. But you just, the form they're in, it just looks unlikely. Um, that game, the last game of the home uh, campaign last season was an amazing atmosphere. Obviously, the big giant surfer flag. And I think that played into Newcastle's hands a little bit. Um, obviously, Liverpool were under pressure regarding the title chase and all that. But right now, it's it's a totally different scenario. Um, Liverpool are playing with freedom. Um, they haven't got that pressure of knowing that if, if you slip up now, it could cost you the title. Um, I'm sure, obviously, Klopp isn't even thinking about slipping up. But the point is, you know, you, you, you had it one game left after that game at St. James Park last season. You've got um, another, what, 33 games to go after this one. So... Um, or 32. So there's no pressure on Liverpool here. They're expected to win. They seem to handle themselves well, um, being favourites for most games in the Premier League. And you just can't see anything other than Liverpool win, really. We must speak, obviously, on the individuals, the players that Newcastle have, who will obviously be looking to, to try and threaten Liverpool, perhaps, getting the win over Newcastle and the number nine shirt always sort of a, a hot talking point in terms of Newcastle United talk about the new boy and a returning number nine Joe Linton's come in and it got that goal at Tottenham on the counter like you said the, the game plan's likely to be at Anfield how have the the Newcastle United support base taken to him because a lot of money was was put out on him I think a lot of people wanted Rondon in Obviously, he gave Van Dijk a, a tough time in that 3-2 um, win for Liverpool then last season. Um, and they were disappointed when Joe Linton, they didn't go for one done. But I think Joe Linton has, he's, he's started to win many over. I've been quite impressed with him. Um, and actually, he's, he's a lot like Rondon in terms of dropping back, winning the ball in deep positions and, and, and being able to hold it up, bring, bring others into play. I mean, and he's also excellent um, at defending, which is important. Um, especially when you're playing against a team like Liverpool, you're going to need to be defending from the front. You're going to need to be um, strong in the air and, and, and winning headers. And Joe Linton's proved he can do that. Uh, the goal against Spurs was was a good a good finish. I thought he, I thought he was a bit worried when he took his first touch, but he proved me wrong and and uh, put it in the back of the net. And it'll be interesting to see whether he can he can um, bully Van Dijk like one one did. Um, you know, Wondon was one of the few players to have done that in the past few seasons. Um, but I'm sure Julian is kind of, he's relishing that challenge of playing against, you know, arguably the, the world's best centre-back. So it'd be very interesting to see how that pans off. But I think, you know, again, it's a case of the the fans, you know, they're ex- in one way, they're excited that they've spent this money and they're welcoming a record signing. And I think they have been impressed with this, his, his desire and, and commitment and, um, they're just hoping for to, to see more of that over a consistent basis. And there seems to be, certainly defensively, um, the skeleton of an experienced side. No thrills, perhaps, about the likes of you, Jamal Lascelles, Fabian Sharp, Paul Dummett, but the experienced guys in defence who allow the others at the top end of the pitch on the counter to perhaps go and do things further up the pitch. But one guy it's perhaps not quite worked for yet is... Miguel Almiron, £20 million in January spent on him, looked very lively in flashes for Newcastle, but still yet to get over that line in terms of goal contributions. Yeah, he should have scored against Watford. And it was just one of those when your luck is down in terms of nothing, you're, you're, you're firing a goal is going in. You're always likely to miss that chance, uh, chance unfortunately. 
you know, he's what, four or five yards out. And it's difficult because he's not an out and out striker and he's kind of playing a little bit up top. And I think that was Joe Linton or that was, say, an Alan Shearer. Four yards, I mean, that's in the back of the net. You know, you're already turning away to, to write your copy because that's in. And he's just unfortunate against Watford that um, it fell to him. I think he thought the defender was going to clear it. That's another thing with him not being an out and out striker. I don't think he was he was ready for the defender to make a mistake. And if you're if you are a, a good striker, um, you know someone like Firmino or, or Joe Linton, you you should be ready and he should be you know anticipating the defender missing the ball. And unfortunately for I mean one, he didn't. Um, but look, I, I don't think it's going to affect him too much. I think you look at his history; he was never a consistent goal scorer. He, you know, he said that himself. It always came in bursts rather than being consistent. So I think when the first goal, goal goes in, we'll see um, you know, three or four to follow. And you know he scored against he scored for Paraguay. So his first goal for his country um, this week. So hopefully that'll give him a bit of confidence going into this game. And um, you know you never know it. Yeah, very well it might happen against Liverpool. And I think when it would, I think when he does score, it'll come off his backside or or what have you. I don't think it'll be one to. Um, Want to uh, to remember, but yeah, you know he's 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 still performing in other areas of the pitch. He's still picking the ball up and running at defenders, and he's got such speed when he's with the ball that it does frighten defenders. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he fits into the side on Saturday. You know, he's coming back from national duty, so he might you know it'd be interesting to see whether he starts because it's a long journey. But if he does, it'd be interesting to see if the formation if he's just uh, maybe push back a bit deeper to pick up the ball and be able to run um, at the defence because when he does, it is a, it is a very um, enjoyable thing to watch. And you mentioned the defence there. Um, we waited a long time um, in Newcastle to, to say Aurora subscribes at centre-back. And you know, <laughs> we, we, it's, it's great to actually to have the chance to say that because you mentioned there Paul Dummett Fabian Shea and Jamal Lascelles. Um but we've also got Federico Fernandez, who was absolutely superb against Leicester in, in the cup. He, he won everything. A uh, very experienced centre back. He, you know, he's on the bench. Kieran Clark had a, had a good game as well. Um, another experienced centre back, and we've got Florian Lejeune, who um, you know has been unfortunate with injuries, and he's unfortunately you know, he'll not be taking part on Saturday. He's just working back from another. Um, ACL, but it's just great to have them options and the three there that you mentioned. I mean, Fabian Scher scored um, for his country um, in midweek, a, a fantastic effort from the edge of the box. I'm not sure as a centre back what he was doing that far up, but Newcastle United fans have seen him do that as well. He scored against Watford, um, but you know, he's brilliant going forward, a brilliant pass of the ball. And he'll be key, I think, to unlocking Liverpool because if he's given the time off the ball, to, to pick a pass, you know, he can do it. Um, and he's, he is really key going forward as well. Um, but so, yeah, defence, you know, centre-backs um, are strong. You know, they work well together. And it's the one thing that sometimes lets, I think, the cells down is just sometimes he switches off. And um, if he does, obviously, he's likely to be punished against Liverpool. But in general, all three of them form really well this season. So it won't be... I don't think uh, Firmino and Co will have a, have an easy an easy day of it on Saturday. Come a long way since the days of Jean Alain, Boomsong and uh, Kushapa at the heart of the uh, the Newcastle <laughs> defence. 
yeah, you can say that again. Yeah, I mean, they're two names that will certainly send shivers down the spine of Newcastle United fans. Yeah, um, like I say we just waited a long time to be able to, to kind of revel in the, in the options we've got in defence. Well, talking of sort of summer transfers that came in, two players very much at different ends of their career. One sort of player who came into the club, Andy Carroll returning, seeing that he's been back in light training over the last few days, but he's a player who came in. But another one who was at the club and despite heavy interest during the summer, never left, Sean Longstaff. I suppose he was one of the real key players to keep hold of. Oh, definitely. And uh, I mean, Mike Ashley referenced that in his interview with the mail. He said, you've got players like uh, Sean, you've got, you've, got to, you've got to keep him. Um, so really important that, Castle captain because I, I do think if he had gone that would have that just would have made, made everything so much uh, more unbearable the fans wouldn't have accepted that whether it be 50 million 60 million um, I really I think I mean obviously everyone was very angry Rafa left but to sell the, Sean Longstaff you know uh, uh, Newcastle United supports a, a local lad it really would have just Oh, it would have just tipped tipped it in 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 this in a direction. I don't think anybody really wants to go. Um, so he's, he's I mean he's such a, a talent. I mean, bearing in mind, I think he's only played, I think it's eleven, twelve games because he got injured um, after about the eighth or ninth game last season uh, that he played. He started off had his debut against Liverpool um, on Boxing Day, and he went on for more. I think eight games after that and got injured against West Ham and was out with a very serious injury. Um, so I think the fact he's back after this injury so quickly is it, it shows kind of his character. Um, he's looked a little off the pace. I don't think the match fitness is 100% there. So hopefully with a two-week break, he's been able to work at it a little bit. He didn't have the best of games against Washford. The second half, he came out and improved. first half, it wasn't brilliant. Um, but look, he's very young. You know, he can only get better. And he is... He will be key to Newcastle United to hold on to him. I think they need to tie him down to a, lot, a longer contract. Um, there's talk of that. But to hold on to him was, was key because it would have just set off a chain of events which you know, would have just, at the end, distracted from what's happening on the pitch and it wouldn't have been beneficial to anyone, I don't think, to, um, to let him go. And yeah, we be- we began talking about a man with links to both clubs in Rafa Benitez. We best end talking, mentioned Andy Carroll before, but also during this international break, there's not been much football been going on, but there's been plenty of talk about Newcastle United, certainly in the newspapers, with the uh, release of a certain autobiography from Michael Owen. Yeah, um, interesting read, to say the least. And, you know, it's it's a, I think fans have quite rightly... Um, I mean, some fans, I just you know, went up above, I'd be you know, a lot of this has kind of been known or written before. It's obviously, it's gone into a bit more detail. Um, and the, the, the Twitter spot with Alan Shearer has, has escalated somewhat. Um, look, then, I think everyone knew Mike Lone didn't want to really sign for Newcastle. Uh, he always wanted to go back to Liverpool. Uh, Freddie Shepard was determined to, to get him, uh, to, you know, to replace Alan Shearer when Shearer eventually retired. And it worked well for a while. And I think if the injuries hadn't come about um, like you had, you know, it might have been a different story. Um, yeah, I mean, what, what can you say? You know, to to pick up £120,000 and, and to, to say you didn't really want to be, yeah, you can understand why people, people are frustrated and angry at those comments, but I don't really think it's anything particularly new. Um, I think 
for me the most frustrating thing is and this isn't just Michael that's that's it things it's pundits and what have you seen you cast United aren't a big club um, and then you're you're coming out and you're kind of arguably selling your book with 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 Newcastle United so it's quite it's it's, it's amusing pundits have said it oh, I think Simon Jordan's one of them maybe Graham Tunis is another yeah it, you know they all they're always talking about Newcastle United so at least I can bring a smile to the face I guess um, but yeah you know it's an interesting read the autobiography and I think whatever you think about Michael is it would be it is a, a book that um, I think people will will read it. Is, it is, I said, it's a, an interesting, an interesting one to pick up. Well, Andrew, thanks for joining us early on in the season to talk uh, all things Newcastle United. Hopefully, catch up again with you later on in the season. And uh, yeah, I would say good luck on Saturday for the game at Anfield. But unfortunately, I, I can't quite do that. <laughs> Not a problem at all. Uh, I'm very pleased to have joined you guys, and yeah, um, look forward to the game. Andrew Musgrove from Everything is Black and White giving us the lowdown on Newcastle United. We'll kick off then at 12.30 this afternoon at Anfield. And if you're not heading to the game, remember you can keep across everything through the Echoes Live Match blog. And afterwards, of course, we'll be back with post-game to give you all the reaction you need. Until then, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel.